peace in the midst of a storm. We are all familiar with storms. We are all familiar with trials, with tribulations. And when I look at trials and different types of trials that people can have, you really have three general types of trials. Uh, one of the ch- types of trials I would look at is sin-inflicted trials. These are trials caused by the sins of others that God allows to enable a period of testing to bring about ultimate good. When I think about this type of trial, the sin-inflicted trial, I think about Joseph and his brothers. Joseph, at the age of 17, was sold into slavery by his brothers, but God used the evil of his brothers for good. 17 years later, we see Joseph as the number two in Egypt. Think about Achan. Achan, one person, decided to disobey God's command, and all of Israel suffered because of it. They suffered a loss at the lowly hands of the little city of Ai. They faced a trial because of someone else's sin. These trials are not something that God, he allows, but he's not orchestrating these. God does not tempt us with evil. We see that in James 1.13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. He allows these things. And he takes the evil that other people mean, and he uses it for our good. He's a powerful God. We also have self-inflicted trials. These are trials caused by one's own sin. God allows us to fall into a trial, to fall into something, because God, as Christians, I'm speaking of Christians tonight, as Christians, when we sin, when we're in a, in a, in a period of sin, God sends trials into our life. Why? Because he's trying to correct us. He's trying to correct us. God might allow this trial to bring you back into perfect fellowship with him. Hebrews 12, 7 says, if ye endure, what? Chastening. God dealeth with you as sons. For what son is he of whom the father chasteneth not? But if ye chase, but if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are all our partakers, then ye are bastards and not sons. Listen, if you are living and you think you're a Christian, you say you're a Christian, but you're living a life of sin, and you don't see any chastisement of the Lord in your life. Check yourself. Check your salvation. Look at what the Bible says. Is there fruit in your life? Because the Bible says that if you're, you are a Christian, that God sends chastisement to those, his, his children who are not obedient. We have sin-inflicted trials, self-inflicted trials. But then we're going to have this, the trials we're talking about this evening, save your sent trials. These are trials God orchestrates to test, prove, or grow his children. We're going to look at this tonight. And we look at trials like this where literally a literal storm comes and tests the disciples. This is a truth we need to know. Sometimes we have trials in our life and it's not because of sin. And we have to remember that when we look at other people, right? We look at other people and like, oh, wow, they're going through so much right now. What, I wonder what sin they have in their life. Just because someone's in a trial doesn't mean they're sin. Now, when a tri- God does send a trial in my life, you to be honest, the first thing I'm going to look at is, is there sin in my life? And then if there's not, what does God, what God want to teach me? 
But if you're in a trial, it's not necessarily because you are in sin or because someone else chose, someone else uh, sinned, but it could be just because God's trying to prove you. God's trying to grow you. And that's what we see tonight when we look at this passage. We see, we see that God is trying to grow and he's try, trying to, to develop and to test the disciples. And, and in this passage, we can learn a lot from the disciples and we can learn even more from our Lord and Savior. So let's look and see what we see here. Look at Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse number 23. It says, that When he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. The first thing that we see and lesson that we learn from the disciples here, we see our position. We see our position. The disciples here, listen, they were following Christ. Again, the beginning of verse number, verse number 23, it says, And when he was entered into a ship, what does it say? His disciples followed him. They were following Christ. This is the position they willingly accepted. And if, if you're a Christian here tonight, that is a position, a follower of Christ, a position that you have willingly accepted. Listen, they believed Jesus. When Jesus came up and said, hey, follow me. When they listened to him, at the, literally just a little bit ago in scripture, listened to him on the Sermon on the Mount, they believed him. They, were, they said, let's keep following him. They followed him. And we choose to follow him when we trust him. First, you know, they believe we have to believe. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, what, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. There might be some here that you're struggling with your salvation. You're struggling with whether or not you truly actually have your sins forgiven. You might be some watching that you're, you know you're not saved. Believe on Jesus tonight. Amen. You don't have to change who you are. You don't have to change anything about you to trust Christ. You just, you trust him. Come as you are. But you also must accept Jesus as he is. When we believe in Jesus, we can't, be, we can't believe in Jesus and be like, oh, I like this part about Jesus. I, I, I like this part about Jesus. I, I like this. And be like, oh, this part, mm, I don't like that. No. We need to accept Jesus as he is, not how we want him to be. And if our beliefs don't match up with scripture as to who he is, then we need to change our beliefs. I've had enough of people trying to change who Jesus is to match what they believe. We can't can't allow that. They believed him, but they also trusted and obeyed him. Listen, if you don't trust the person, you're not going to get on a boat with the person. Okay? You're not going to do that. All right? They trusted and they obeyed him. They trusted and they obeyed him. And we, this is a common see, theme we see in the Gospels and a common theme we see throughout the New Testament. John 14, 15, Jesus Christ says, If ye love me, what? what? Keep my commandments. James 1, says, Be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. I can think of one of the biggest problems we have in churches today is that there are too many people who are just hearing the word and too few people who are actually doing it. And what does that tell us about the church today? The church doesn't love God. 
Let's be real. Let's be, let's be honest. Let's be blunt. If you're not being obedient to the Lord, you don't love him. If you're not being obedient to the Lord, you don't love him. Listen, when I was young, I'm, you might not believe this, I might have had a little trouble with obedience to my parents. Maybe a little bit. And I can be honest, listen, looking back, hindsight, you, you see a lot better looking back than you do looking forward, right? Looking back, listen, I didn't love my parents the way I should. I didn't love my parents the way I should. And so I also didn't obey my parents the way I should. If you don't love God, you're not going to obey God. And if you're not obeying God, don't lie to yourself. Don't deceive. It's very easy to deceive yourself. Don't deceive yourself. But you see the disciples here. Jesus gets in the ship. He says, hey, let's go. Let's go. Let's get in the ship. Let's go across the sea, the Sea of Galilee. And they're like, okay. And they get into the ship. You see the disciples here? They're doing everything they're supposed to. Look, they're doing every single thing they're supposed to do. Jesus said, get in the ship. They get in the ship. But then something unexpected happens. The storm comes. The storm comes. They get on the ship. They're obedient. They're following Jesus. Everything's supposed to be perfect, right? But then they found themselves in the middle of a, what the Bible says, a great tempest. You see, the, the position of following Christ is the position they volunteered for. The position of being in a storm is a position, but let's be honest, they probably would rather not be in. But really, just with, with this sea, the Sea of Galilee, it was not uncommon for storms just to come up so quickly and to be, begin very suddenly. But we see that that's exactly what happened in Matthew 8, 24. It says, and behold, there arose. And you know this is not like some easy storm to handle. Because then he says, there arose a storm. No, here, a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Now, you think about, you think about the position that the disciples are in. Now, when you think about the 12 Disciples, were there any disciples that had experience on the sea? Yes. In four of them. Four of them were fishermen. Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They were fishermen. The eight other disciples were not fishermen. Now, I want us to use our holy imagination tonight, okay? You imagine you're going out, you're on the ship, everything looks great. Jesus goes and he's asleep and you think, oh, that's good. Jesus needed some sleep. Let's just kick back and we'll, we'll just talk and we can just ride the, the boat over to the other side. And then all of a sudden, whew, storm just absolutely breaks through. A great tempest. Now, if you are Peter, Andrew, James, and John, what do you do? You start taking over, right? You start telling, hey, hey, Bartholomew, you go here. You get this. Hey, 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 Judas, over here. All right? And you start directing everyone because you know what to do. If you're Peter, James, Andrew, and John, you're depending on your own know-how to get through this storm. Now, at the same time, at the same time, if you're Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon, or Judas, you're depending on Peter, Andrew, James, 
and John. You're depending on the know-how of others because, let's be honest, you have no idea what you're doing. Matthew's a tax collector. That is not the same as a fisherman. Listen, they didn't know what they were doing. I imagine they, they were pretty scared. But do you notice, if you look at the scriptures, they, they didn't go to Jesus until they thought they were dying. And so it, I get from scripture that I see that those eight other disciples, they depended on the four. And those four disciples depended on themselves. Why does it seem that when trial and tribulation come, we depend so much, we depend so readily on either ourselves or others rather than the Lord Jesus Christ? It's because we forget. We forget that he's here. Listen, somebody, listen, when something goes wrong in my house, and let's just think a light bulb goes out. You know what? I'm just going to get a light bulb and I'm going to change it. Okay? If the lawn needs mowed, I'm going to get the lawn mower out and I'm going to mow it. These little issues, I'm not even going to think twice about it. Something, something happens that I can handle this and I'm just going to handle it. Now, something more that happens, well, that's what I'm calling, you know, John Pocock or Mike, Mark Heisman. Okay? And let's be honest, for me, more is not much more than changing a light bulb or mowing the lawn. <laughs> you can ask John Pocock when he came over and helped me hang a bag organizer the last week. All right? I'm not, I'm not one. I don't, I don't know how to do that. I, I probably could figure it out. But at that point, I'd have 17 holes in the wall as I was trying to figure out how to get it. And then, yeah, it looked like a Swiss cheese on my wall instead of a, that wouldn't be good. My wife is thankful that I'm willing to ask for help. All right? But it seems so much that Christians, as Christians, we, when trials and tribulations come up, we rely on ourselves or others more than we rely on Jesus. But sometimes, listen, sometimes Jesus is going to send a storm. Even when you're following him and even when you're doing what you should be doing, Jesus is going to send a storm because he wants to test you. He wants to try you. He wants to grow you. And that's why our position is important, but listen, also our perspective is important. Let's look at it again, verse, verse number 24. It says, and behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he, speaking of Jesus, was asleep. And his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, what? We perish. The disciples understood that there was a problem. There was a problem. Their situation they were in where the, the Bible says that their ship was covered with waves. They realized there was a problem. Their situation was not conducive for life. Listen, this was not an instance of evil how we think it today. But his disciples, listen, they still knew it was wrong. Listen, suffering, pain, all these things, we know it's not right. We know it's, it's not what's supposed to be. Listen, 
even the unsaved know it's not right. They just know that there's, there's something wrong, and they try to find a solution. That's why we need to show them Jesus Christ and tell them who Jesus Christ is, because he is the solution. But they knew that, listen, this is not the way it was supposed to be. Listen, they were on a boat with the Prince of Peace. And they were in a storm where there was no peace to be seen anywhere, it seemed, right? You think about their mindset. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus, the Messiah, is supposed to be the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the governor shall be upon his, government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I don't think they felt an extraordinarily great amount of peace at this time. Listen, when they looked around, it was chaotic. It was scary. And sometimes, listen, again, you can be in the position you're supposed to be in, but God will allow you to get in a place where it looks very scary. Where things, you just like, you think like, oh man, what did I do? How, how did I, yeah, I can't help but think about, you know, I talk about this a lot, but, you know, it's my life. But month after we move into our house, the sewer backs up. Listen, it was the only, I've only I had only been a homeowner for a month. And the bathtub starts filling up with the water from the washing machine. Listen, I didn't have to be a homeowner for long. I knew that wasn't right. I knew there was a problem. That's not how it was supposed to work. I didn't feel an extraordinary amount of peace at that time. But I can say through all, every homeowner has issues and probably has even greater issues than I've had with my house. And I'm okay with other people having greater issues with their house, but I pray that God, listen, I pray that God supplies the needs for you like he did for us because God has been good the entire time. I remember just not feeling that much peace at that time. My perspective, my perspective was on the problem. My perspective was on the problem. And you know what? I needed to change my perspective. Okay? Now, listen, there are some times as well where God allows you to be in a trial for an extended period of time. And sometimes when it seems like, it seems like Jesus is asleep. Now, that's exactly what we see here in the scripture, isn't it? So Matthew 28, 24, it says, And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he, Jesus, was asleep. Imagine the, the, what it felt like to be a disciple. Jesus just doesn't care. He's just sleeping back there. We're like dying. We're dying here. And he's, he's, he's just asleep. He, he's not doing anything. We're going to die. That's still not the case. I'll say this. Jesus must, might have been physically asleep, but he was still in complete control. 
but God might allow you to go through an extended trial to try to change your perspective. Listen, uh, also like two or three months, like one and a half months maybe after we move in, our basement flooded. And uh, we were able to get that situation solved. And then like a couple months later, I go down and there's water all throughout my basement again. And, and let's be honest, my heart just, ugh, just, it just wasn't good. And then, you know, we got that fixed. And then a little while, like, then, then after, after we got our kitchen floor fixed, it went down and there was water all throughout our basement again. Except this time, it wasn't clean water. It was water from our garbage disposal because the pipe going from our garbage disposal came apart. And so all the water that was pouring down on all our stuff was great and very clean. Okay? Listen. That wasn't a huge thing right there, but it's kind of, for, for myself, one of the things where it's like almost like the effect where the, it was a straw that broke the camel's back, and I was just, I was very, I was very upset. I'll be honest, I was very upset. And I had to make sure, I had to go and I tried to get everything out of my basement, and, and as I'm doing this, I'm trying to call some people from help because I want to get it done, I want to get it done quickly, and no one can help. No one can help. And I'm getting more frustrated as time goes on. And I remember standing in my basement, standing, you know, standing just face away. And I said, God, and I said this because I was frustrated and just being, trying to be honest with God. It's like, what good is the church if when you need help, there's no one here to help you? And that's when I heard Pastor Kaufman, one of the church members standing behind me, <laughs> ready to help me. I'm like, God. You, okay, touche. <laughs> well, listen, I learned a great lesson that day. Why? Because God allowed me to go through, really, an extended trial. I think it is called home ownership. I think it's, it is an extended trial, as long as you own a home. Um, but I learned something that day, because God used it. But my perspective... My perspective was on the problem. And you look at the disciples here, and their perspective was on the problem. When their perspective should have been on number three, our Prince of Peace. Their perspective should have been on the Prince of Peace. So let's look about what we learn about Jesus in this passage. Mark, Matthew chapter 8, verse 26 and 27 says, And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful? Oh, ye of little faith. Can you imagine? We'll pause there for a second. When Jesus, there's a storm that is so powerful, the waves aren't just hitting the ship. No, the waves are covering the ship. And you come to Jesus and you say, Jesus, we're dying. Save us. And the first words out of his mouth are, why are ye fearful? They had their eyes on the problem. The Bible then says, then he arose. <laughs> Just imagine this. And rebuked the wind and the sea. And there was a great calm. So notice what we see. If you go up uh, in verse number 24, it says, there arose a great 
tempest. But then Jesus rebukes the wind and rebukes the sea. And then what does it say? There was a great calm. Talk about one extreme to the other. I imagine the Sea of Galilee at that point just looking like a sheet of glass. Because listen, if it just went down to normal, then there was a calm. No, there was a great calm. Then the men marveled, verse number 27, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? You imagine they just went from thinking they were going to die to just marveling at the power of Jesus. And when we get our perspective off the problem and onto the Prince of Peace, listen, that is exactly what happens with us too. We go from thinking we're going to die to just standing in awe of who Jesus is. Listen, in this passage, do you know what we see? We see first that he's present. He is present. Now listen, his, his human nature caused him to sleep. But his divine nature was still sovereign. His human nature caused him to see, but his divine nature was still sovereign. He was still in control. What can we know from this? Listen, Jesus does not guarantee you protection from the storm, but he does guarantee you his presence in the storm. Can I say this again? Jesus does not guarantee you protection from the storm. But he does guarantee you his presence in the storm. Imagine if you're walking down the street and a group of 17 guys are walking the other way. You see them with chains and baseball bats and firearms and you see, you see all these things. You're probably a little scared. And if you're not, then you're crazy or you're one of the 17 guys. <laughs> but as you're walking down, you see these guys approach. You see... A squad of police cars, you see a bunch of police cars coming and then and then just stopping right there. Listen, you might have been fearful when you saw the 17 guys, but now when you have the presence of the police, things change. Things change. You think about my son Kobe, uh, just one of the cutest kids. Uh, he's my he's my favorite Kobe. I was, you know, Charles, Charlie's my favorite Charlie, Kobe's my favorite Kobe, Chloe's my favorite Chloe, and so they're all my favorite. And so, but Kobe's been waking up in the middle of the night, and sometimes he needs this, sometimes he needs that, sometimes he wakes up and he's just scared, and he starts to cry. But all he needs to know is that I'm there. And as soon as he knows I'm there, he's okay. And he lays back down, and he goes back to sleep. Listen, you might be in a trial. You might be in something that's difficult, something that's hard. But listen, Jesus is there. He's with you. And you know what? You might not be calm. His disciples, listen, the disciples were not calm calm here. (laughs) The disciples were very much not the definition of calm. But Jesus was. If Jesus wasn't calm, his first words would not be, why are ye so fearful? Listen, that seems like a dumb question. And if it wasn't Jesus asking that question, it would have been a dumb question. Listen, if 
you know, the, there's a tree that fell down across the street from our house. It fell, on, fell on, down on the neighbor's house. And listen, my kids were a little afraid. Okay? It would have been dumb of me, because I, I was driving back. I wasn't even here. It would have been dumb of me to ask them, why are you afraid? Now, I told them, you don't have to be afraid. God loves you, and God's with you. But Jesus can ask this, can ask this why? Because he's God, and he's in control. And they should have realized that he's God, and he's in control. But here, you look at this. You look at what he says, how he reacts. Listen, he's calm, because the storm didn't catch him off guard. The storm was not a surprise. But also, listen, Jesus had faith in his heavenly Father. Jesus knew the Father loved him. Jesus knew the Father had a plan for him. And that Jesus knew that God's plan is perfect. And listen, every single thing that we face, that we go through, we can know that God the Father loves us. God the Father loves, loves us. And God the Father's plan is perfect. And we, just like Jesus rested in his Father's will, we can rest in the Father's will. He was calm. You know, sometimes that's all, it need, that's all my children need from me. When they're in the midst of something that's scary. We went to Cedar Point recently, and uh, Charlie is just now tall enough to ride some of the bigger rides. It's crazy. He's you know, turning four tomorrow, but he's tall enough to ride some of the bigger rides. So he rode the Matterhorn. And the Matterhorn, they changed it. It's no longer on a track. It's now a car that literally, as it goes around, it'll go up sideways and then back down and then back up sideways and back down, still up and down the round track. And it was a lot of fun. But I remember we were riding it, and we begin the ride, and it gets started going, going fast, and Charlie's face just goes, <sighs> and he's very scared. But I looked over, and he's like, Charlie, it's okay. Listen. It's just like a roller coaster. And he went from <gasps> to <sighs> <laughs> Listen, I stayed calm. I wasn't afraid. And because I wasn't afraid, and I was able to talk to him, he listened to me, he wasn't afraid either. And listen, we look in this passage, Jesus isn't just present, he isn't just calm, he's also in control. Verse number 26, and it says, And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful? O ye of little faith. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man, man is this, that even the winds and the sea, what? Obey him. He is in control. He wasn't afraid. Why? Because he was in control. And we don't have to be afraid. Why? Because he's in control. Listen, the Bible says in another place that you have, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. You look at this passage, in verse number 26, it says, O ye of what? Little faith. But their little faith, listen, Jesus... I kind of think that Jesus, yes, was asleep, but at the same time, I don't think he was asleep without a purpose. I think the purpose of him being asleep was because he wanted his disciples to come to him 
And finally, when his disciples did, listen, Jesus arose because of their, they had faith to ask him. I didn't need them to ask him, okay? But they had a little faith, and then Jesus moved, and he calmed the storm. You might think, like, you know what, I don't have that much faith. The disciples here had a little faith. It's not the amount of faith you have. It's the greatness of the God that you serve. Jesus was in control. Not only was he controlled, but he, was, he had compassion on He loved them, and he loves you as well. But you look at all of this, this entire situation. The disciples were in this position because, why? They were following him. And then God allowed a a storm to come. Even though the disciples didn't do anything wrong. The disciples, they tried to do things their own way. They tried to save themselves. But sooner or later, listen, the the, the trial, the storm got too bad where they had to realize, listen, I can't actually do it. Jesus, save us. You think about all this. Listen, Jesus was allowing them to go through this because he was trying to teach them. He was trying to teach them. Listen, would they have learned anything if Jesus had calmed the storm before it ever started? No. Listen, sometimes Jesus allows storms in your life because he wants you to, he wants you to learn about him, that he is bigger and stronger than your trials. He is capable of saving you in the storm. Listen, did Jesus have to calm the storm in order to save his disciples? No. Just what he chose to do. Sometimes Jesus might allow the trial to continue. But he's still there with you in it. And he'll see you through it. Sometimes when we're in a trial, we're in a storm, it's easier to see the effects of the storm than it is to see the affection of our Savior. And I challenge to you tonight, listen, if you're going through a trial, I pray, look to God. Allow him to work. Allow him to grow you. I'm thinking about the the Reisners right now. They've been out of power since like Thursday. And uh, do you even know when the power is going to come back on yet? Tuesday. Tuesday night. They're in the midst of of a storm still. Listen, seek the Lord. Seek the Lord. He'll provide your needs. God is good. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Listen, it doesn't matter what type of trial you go through. You can go through a trial like this where you're, listen, you're doing everything that you're supposed to do. But storms still come. Listen, you might also be in a trial of your own, your own making because you've been in sin and God brought a trial on you. You know, at the same time, you know what we have to do? Look to Jesus. Look to Jesus. You might be in a trial that God is using to grow you that's because of, sins of some, the sin of someone else. You know what you should do? Look to Jesus. Because when we look at the Prince of Peace rather than the problem, listen, We can have peace in the midst of the storm.